You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America, Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the groupthink, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to a new exciting year here at the Conservative Conscience. This is Daniel Horowitz back in the house here at Conservative Review on Wednesday. It feels like a Monday. Um, New week, new year, but really it's a middle of the week, Wednesday, January 2nd. Happy New Year to all of you. And we are so excited to get back in front of this microphone. Many of you uh, uh, missed some of our shows. We had this glitch with iTunes. I don't know why two of the shows were deleted there, but you can always find them at omni.com, O-M-N-Y. But I am just starving to get in front of you guys and speak the truth. You know, after having a frustrating year last year, I was kind of reinvigorated by this opportunity that I feel we have every day with this town hall, this forum, to just shoot for the moon, talk about the stories, the policies that affect us all, that really the media on all sides doesn't care about, doesn't speak about too emphatically. Now, the topic for today, as Nancy Pelosi is ready to sit in her throne, and believe me, unlike Paul Ryan, she will treat that like a throne to promote her policies because while Republicans seek office, Democrats seek power, and they use it to its fullest. Democrats have a sense of purpose. You're going to see this right away. Tomorrow, immediately upon assuming control of the House, Democrats are going to vote on their bill on pre-existing conditions to preemptively nuke a potential court decision on current statute uh, with the tax, the individual mandate tax. They're going to try to fix that. Talk about pre-existing conditions because they believe in their vision of health care, which incidentally created the pre-existing condition problem, tethering health care to health insurance, tethering health insurance to employment and government subsidies and government monopolies. And yet we don't have a Republican or a conservative vision to combat it. So we're going to get to health care a little later, different day. But before that, I cannot move off the issue of immigration and how the more we study it, the more we have ISIS in the form of Jalisco, Sinaloa, Zetas, Juarez, Golfo cartels, not just at our border, but in our cities in America that we let them in and we can kick them out tomorrow, killing us with drugs and violence of all sorts. And yet we don't have a Republican Party giving a vision or a voice, informing Americans on what's happening. We're going to talk about the diseases coming in. We have an article out today. Where is everyone? Trump needs to give a televised address. He needs to give an address before Congress. Although I guess now it's a bit complicated with Pelosi as speaker. She'd officially have to invite him. But do it in the Oval Office and lay out just our last 10 articles on immigration and and the border. 
And Trump has touched on this, but he needs to do this in a sustained way because if he doesn't do it, nobody else will do it. So before getting to some of the main content today, the latest on immigration and the border, the so-called shutdown, I really wanted to share with you some political observations I have just on the state of being with Trump and the party. You know, part of what so many people can't appreciate is that a lot of people are debating over Trump. Well, you know, he's uncouth. He's not such a good personality. He's not such a good messenger, even when he talks about our issues. They're missing the point that he's the only one who is indeed, at least sometimes, talking about our issues. If you don't like the way he's talking about it, where is the other voice? And look, I wish I could have a voice more in the mold of what we put out here, which I think would be more articulate, more consistent, smarter, better connect with the voters. But no one else is doing that. No one else is doing that. What people don't realize is how far to the left Republicans have moved, how far to the left they'd have allowed Democrats to move by not serving as a check and a balance on their behavior and exposing the results of their policies the way we should. And that led to Trump. So if you, if, if you have problems with him, your problem really should be with people like Mitt Romney. So, you know, we thought this new year would start out slowly. <laughs> And then, you know, before uh, the holiday is over, late last night, Mitt Romney drops his New York Times op-ed, trashing Trump. Not a word to say about the border crisis, the gang crisis, the drug crisis, the cartels. I mean, literally, as Romney is doing this, he's becoming a major senator who is a former presidential candidate, so he's going to have a bigger media platform than any other senator. And he could use it to expose what's going on and give a vision. You don't like Trump's vision? That's great, Mitt. What is your vision? Tell us. Just as he's doing this, you have last night, Customs and Border Patrol and Border Protection put out a statement that illegals were foisting toddlers over the San Diego Matt fence, the border, the matted border fence, kind of dilapidated, but it's, you know, could be as high as 10 feet in the air. And yet at the same time, now, Border Patrol, as we're going to get to, they're there to protect us, not to serve as a daycare or a hospital or a welfare center for foreign nationals, children or adults or otherwise. But nonetheless, you know, when you see that, well, you want to protect the kids. They couldn't even get there, according to the press release from the CBP, because on the other side, they had orchestrated a simultaneous rock attack, raining down rocks, so they couldn't approach the fence safely. And so therefore, they had to throw tear gas at them, and then the media is like, ah, ha, ha, they are gassing people. Yeah, like the, you know, the, these guys were just minding their own business in Guatemala and Honduras, and Border Patrol decided to just, you know, they were kind of bored. They decided to travel down to Guatemala and beat them up. Yeah. We're going to talk about the growing trend 
of media psyops orchestrated by the cartels and the smugglers that is reinventing Gaza at our own border and all its tactics. But Mitt Romney has nothing to say about that. No vision. Mitt Romney is why we have Trump. That was the blowback. He was the last guy we nominated for president. This is the man that lied to get to the right of Newt Gingrich in the 2012 primary by somehow saying he'd be to the right of him on immigration. And then once he won the nomination, that was exactly when Obama implemented DACA, which we now know spawned the worst drug crisis, border surge, MS-13 resurgence. And as we're going to talk about today, general violence in our streets because of the growing cartel and gang turf wars, not just in Mexico, but now in our own cities, the beheadings, the armed invasions of stash houses, all the stuff that was notorious with Mexico is now here, not just at the Mexican border in Arizona and Texas, but in cities in Chicago, in Maryland, in New York, New England, and North Carolina, as well as other places. And yet this man, he caused it. He had nothing to say. Could you imagine you're running for president and your opponent, the sitting president, in middle of the election campaign, implements the wor- the most egregious executive power grab to grant citizenship or path to citizenship to those that are here illegally, violate national sovereignty. And he had no, no, I don't want to talk about it. No, he had nothing to say. He refused to address it. As we warned, now this man is going to be in the Senate. And is going to be the president of the media from day one. And again, a lot of people are noting, well, this embodies the problem, the rubber band effect. It's either Trump or Romney. And we have no one speaking for us. But you're right. We don't have anyone speaking for us. So, I, you know, I could go on from now until tomorrow, all the things I don't like about Trump and all the things I wish that he wasn't hurting our vision with the gratuitous, gratuitous stuff. But you know what? Until there's someone else speaking out. I mean, what do you want? I can't blame people for gravitating to him. Let me give you two more anecdotes to explain what's going on with the so-called conservative Republican political class missing the boat. One of the things over the New Year's weekend that Trump tweeted about was General McChrystal. McChrystal did an interview with the media just trashing Trump, calling him an amoral person and everything. Now, look, you know, if you want to say we should have a president that doesn't punch down, that won't do it, okay, I, I could understand that. But it is what it is, and people are sick of these one-sided attacks. You know, it's not like Trump attacked him from nowhere. So Trump wrote something about, yeah, like this guy's a liar and he's, you know, is a failed general, and he put general in quotes. So... Robbie George, professor from um, Princeton, one of the only conservatives there, and really, really good guy, really sweet person. I like him a lot. But I'm just trying to illustrate to you a deep point how some of our people are just not getting it. And I think inadvertently, their sense of morality and right and wrong 
are kind of screwed up. So I don't have the tweet in front of me, but just to paraphrase, and Robbie's a great guy. He's been, you know, talking about judicial supremacy and everything and social conservative, but, you know, like certain social conservatives, they kind of get roped into this Mr. Nice Guy thing. And he's like, he, he tweets back at, at President Trump. He's like, look, you know, you could disagree with people, but you can't take away someone's service. He's a general. He's not general in quotes. And what what he's missing is McChrystal. See, what one of the few things that Trump said boldly that I think was right, and I'm glad he said during the 2016 campaign, was that we have generals that are failures and have been reduced to rubble. And McChrystal is the embodiment of that. Putting our soldiers in meat grinders with no vision. Doesn't care about the rules of engagement. Rebels against Trump with the transgenderism in the military. And I know that's an issue, you know, Robbie is very strong on. That's not a general. Someone who supports transgenderism in the military is not a general. And someone's got to stand up to them. See, this is the problem that people are missing. Picture we have a building on fire with our people trapped in it. And no one's doing anything about it. No one's recognizing the severity and imminence of the problem. And then to the extent that people try to, they get stopped. Not only by the bad guys, but even like the so-called people that are very moral on our side. Suddenly a guy comes along on a motorcycle, gets off, acts uncouth, maybe unzips his pants, pees on the ground. But then he's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to rush in there and I have a plan to get rid of it. Now, his plan might, might not be fully good. You might, it might kind of be an illusion. But then suddenly, you know, these nice people are like, look at this guy. He's an uncouth piece of garbage. We have to get rid of him. Well, you might be right, but what are you doing? And where's your morality? What is your plan to speak to these issues? Well, I don't like the way he's doing the shutdown. I don't like the way he's addressing immigration. Well, how do you want to address it? Again, we have our consistency here, so we have no problem criticizing Trump when we feel he's wrong, when we feel he's not listening to us. But a lot of that's because we don't have positive energy guiding him in the right direction. You only have negative energy. You only have the Mitt Romneys. Where are the non-Mitt Romney voices advancing our strategies and positions and exposing what's important for Americans in the right way if you don't like the way Trump is doing it? We don't have them. So you know what? Until we do, you just have to deal with that chemotherapy. For those of you who listen to this show from day one, you know I'm not happy with everything about him. Not by a long shot. But so many of the people criticizing him are really the embodiment of why people turn to him. Another interesting anecdote that I just wanted to go over before getting to immigration is um, you know, Charlie Sykes, he was this guy, radio show host from Wisconsin that became famous during the Wisconsin primary, and he took his show on national, not his literal show, but his shtick of, you know, you have people that earn their living off of riding Trump. So he's riding the anti-Trump. And basically, you know, how all oh, Trump's destroying conservatism. And one of the things he noted in an article now, I know I'm giving him too much uh, airtime here, but it's an important lesson. And, and this guy, Jay Cost, former 
um, Weekly Standard writer wrote a column at National Review today saying something similar, basically lamenting on how far you know we've we've fallen as as a movement. Now, listen, you know, it's kind of like what I do, but for the exact wrong and opposite reasons. They're saying, you know, back in 1996, we used to have shutdowns over spending and fiscal restraint. And now it's over like, I'm, I'm you know, adding words, but basically reading between the lines over this iwi xenophobic racist thing of, of immigration. That, that's basically what they're saying. This is what we care about now. Now, first of all, when have these people raised their voice in a meaningful way to actually bash their buddies, their favorite conservatives like Romney and Ryan on fiscal issues when they failed us on fiscal issues? When have they done half the work we've done on agriculture and healthcare and financials and giving a vision on budget and debt? All the work we've done on that. Nothing. So, you know, in, in other words, they always play hide the ball you know, in order to distract, don't focus on this, focus on this, but they don't really want to focus on that either. No interest. No interest whatsoever. That's an afterthought. But there's a deeper point here that they're missing. And it exposes how radical the left has moved and how radical these Republicans have moved over to the left with them. And that is, there's, oh, darn it. You know, I got to shut this down. Ah, oh, sorry about that. So <laughs> what happened was I always have my phone on um, the landline here on, on on mute because, you know, I don't want this to happen when I'm doing shows, when I'm doing media in my, my office. And I ju- it just hit me. The four-year-old crept in to my home office overnight and he must have messed with it. (laughs) So sorry about that interruption here. But anyway, you know, you know, it's kind of like the stolen sovereignty. I don't have sovereignty over my own office here from a four-year-old. I guess I'm, I'm no better than the government, but anyway, what we're, what we're all missing here is there's a reason why this shutdown in 1996 was over the budget and it wasn't over immigration. Because guess what? When Republicans took over that House and the Senate in 94, starting in 1995, they passed IRA-IRA, the biggest immigration enforcement overall since 1952, stuff that would be considered racist today, and it's not being enforced, but it was good at the time to stem the tide. And I don't have the roll call in front of me, I could look it up as we're talking. I should have prepared this. Um, But it passed overwhelmingly, not just every Republican, but so many Democrats voted for it. And guess what? Bill Clinton signed it into law. So they agreed because this was an American issue. We disagreed. That's exactly the point. We disagreed over welfare. We disagreed over budget for American constituents. But nobody ever thought that America would become the welfare dumping ground, the infectious disease dumping ground, the criminal dumping ground, the daycare dumping ground of the entire third world orchestrated by the drug cartels. That was a universal issue. So meaning here, these schmucks, phony conservatives are trying to show oh how, how horrible conservatives and Republicans have become 
moving, you know, we're the ones not being conservative anymore by now moving on to racial identity issues in their mind. And instead of fiscal restraint, which they themselves don't care about, they missed the point. It's exact opposite. You have moved over because this was never a fight. We never had a shutdown over it because we all agreed and agreed on the other side. Ira Ira had jurisdiction stripping provisions in it, by the way, stripping the courts of jurisdiction over immigration. Provisions, again, ignored. If we would actually follow Ira Ira, we'd be in pretty good shape. So that's what they're missing. That's why we didn't have a shutdown over it. It's such a self-indictment, but it's it's a point no one else is going to make, and I wanted you to hear it before we moved on. But um, but anyway, that's that's the story with that. It's unbelievable. Expedited deportation, expedited removal, all this stuff that was working. It really, and the truth is, it really did work before the courts. It created the 287G program, which was now stopped by so many. By the way, North Carolina, just south of me in Maryland, Anne Arundel County, Maryland, had a death thanks to a criminal alien DUI because the new Democrat county executive, because this much vaunted rhino governor we have here, had no coattails. And we got crushed, even on areas where we usually win, like Anne Arundel County. They pulled out a 287G program. So this is what we have here. This is why there was no shutdown in 96. Because that very year, they passed it. Right before the shutdowns. It was September 30th, actually, 1996. Right before the... um, the end of the fiscal year. So, you know, again, this is something we're never, you're never going to hear. But I thought you guys should, um, should hear it. Anyway, it passed 278 to one. Oh, no, no, no. Actually, the final bill. No. Holy, holy smokes. I didn't know this. It passed the Senate by voice vote and passed the House 370 to 37. Wow. I need to do an article on this. Now, originally it was a little tighter. That was the final conference report. The first volley was 72 to 27, but still most Democrats voted for it. Signed into law by Bill Clinton, September 30th, 1996. We all agree that that's what needed to be done. And yet now, because of A, the courts, B, certain executive policies not listening to it, states and sanctuaries not listening to the law, and just change in tactics of the type of migration flow we have, everyone who voted for that should agree that this needs to be done. We're Republicans holding them accountable. Instead, we're saying the opposite. And, you know, I'm just looking now. I just want to make sure I'm right on this. Nancy Pelosi 
Nancy Pelosi voted yes, at least for the conference report. Now, 120, uh, well, actually, it's funny. In those days, there were Republicans that voted no, Democrats who voted yes. You know, so it wasn't as polarized as today. 92 Democrats did vote no in the first volley of legislation. Yeah, so Pelosi didn't vote for the original bill. Um, wow. Unbelievable. Unfreaking believable. I might do an article on that later. But anyway, that's the vision we're lacking on immigration. To say, wait a minute, we made promises in 86 and 90, 96, frankly, in 1965 with the Hart Seller Act. Now it's time to fulfill those promises that you all voted for. But that's why we didn't have a shutdown. They don't realize how far to the left they have moved, these phony conservatives. But anyway, let's talk about what's going on. So we already talked about the tear gas at the border. Literally an invasion. So you have to understand, you know, this other guy, Quinn Hillier, tagged me on Twitter. He said, also, he used to write a national review. Daniel, stop calling it an invasion. It's not literally an invasion. What do you think an invasion is in the year 2019, in this era? You're not going to have evil countries or their armies or NGOs or um, you know, criminal syndicates, terrorist groups attack in a traditional way. Because they know that you can't defeat a first world army. It's what Israel deals with, with Hamas at Gaza. They engage in this dangerous game of psyops and media warfare and lawfare with so-called civilians and kids. And that's what they did. Shove them at the border and then throw rocks. Okay, buddy, what are you going to do now? And then inevitably, people get killed in the crossfire, get sick, starved in the desert, all this stuff. And then... Our, our guys get blamed on for it. And the more they get blamed, the more they have to orient their tactical operations not towards protecting America's sovereignty and security and doing their job, but the opposite, almost facilitating and managing the flow. And so that, oh my gosh, immediately, let, let's, let's uh, you know, if you're a border agent with a normal job, what's uh, totally, what's going to be programmed in your brain? I must root out any danger, root out danger, protect America, protect America, right? That's what your job is. But no, now it's like, oh my gosh, I got to find, find any kid that, that, you know, help, help them, help them so I don't get blamed. That's what's happening now. And the cartels know this. Which brings me to the infectious disease chain migration. So they came here for welfare. They came here for family reunification with other illegal relatives who previously violated our sovereignty. Illegal chain migration. Then we had abortion chain migration. They're coming for abortions now. And now they're coming for treatment for infectious diseases. So McAleen, the um, head of CBP, said in a statement on Monday that, let's see how, how many this was, 450, roughly 451 cases were referred to doctors at the border just since December 22nd in basically one week including 259 children. 
He noted that this is a new trend coming sick with pneumonia, tuberculosis, parasitic diseases, probably like Chigellus, flu, obviously. And he noted that they were arriving with the kinds of ailments that they knew that they left, that they had them at the time they left. It wasn't like developed on the way or something. They came here for treatment. And that tells me that this is another orchestration, both by the caravans organizing it and then later on along the way, the smugglers and, and cartels is another PSYOP. Now you take sick people that are on the verge of dying and shove them at the Border Patrol. They die. They get blamed at it. And again, keep in mind that in the entire Rio Grande sector, according to Brandon Judd, the head of the Border Patrol Council, there's only 60 field agents at any given 24-hour period because of the bureaucratic, bureaucratic problems they have with so much of them sucked off into office work for no reason. It's a whole story in and of itself. So anyway... You can imagine now, they have to serve as the hospital, not just the daycare center. And the Coast Guard is now involved in it. So now pulling off the Coast Guard to treat people who purposely come here sick. Think about it. As I noted in my article, it was the most foundational principle of our country since the colonial times to turn back people with infectious diseases. We wanted to eradicate these diseases and we would turn them away. We wouldn't treat them. Of course, if someone's dying right there, of course, they're going to treat them. But, you know, we, we would send them back. Instead, they're coming for the purpose of now using our Border Patrol as a hospital. And rather than focus on the, the danger to Americans, oh, my gosh, we're being exposed to these diseases because of these immigration policies that encourage them to come. That if we would shut down sanctuaries and the asylum and the UAC Wilberforce loophole and build the wall and end the sanctuary courts intervention illegally into immigration. We wouldn't have any of this. Instead, Democrats are going to hold hearings badgering Border Patrol for, in their mind, not doing a better job of treating the invaders. I mean, think about it. The notion of not bringing in criminals, infectious diseases, and public charges was since the colonial times. The states, as I noted in my article, States used to regulate it. The border states back then were obviously the ports. It was um, Massachusetts, Maryland, um, and certainly New York. They would start regulating the way the ships landed. And the question there was that that already started to get involved in federal powers of um, federal powers of international commerce. And yet still the courts, for the most part, initially upheld it because they said there could be no mode in which the power to regulate internal police could be more appropriately exercised. It's all an internal issue. If they're going to come here with diseases, paupers, vanguards, vagabonds, pestilence, physical pestilence, moral pestilence, these are words they used. And that affects the states. The states had a right to stop this. And now we're saying the feds won't even stop it. And then when the feds started regulating in the 1880s, they codified in our first laws, 
convicts, paupers, and infected persons. Tuberculosis was singled out for the first time in the, seven, in, in the 1907 Immigration Act. 112 years ago, we were trying to eradicate it. And we're excluding people. Now we're basically inviting people in from countries that have 83 times the rate of tuberculosis than America. You know, we talked about a lot on Monday's show about the criminal alien part, the criminality part. And there's certainly a lot of that. You know, I just want to note, we talked about the DUIs and how so many of them are caught beforehand and could, could we could avoid them committing more serious crimes, but also the fact that DUIs are just as bad as murder because they often lead to death as well, even if they don't go on to shoot someone later on. So I just wanted to give a shout out. Happened in Oak Ridge. Pierce Corcoran, a 22-year-old promising young American, athlete, member of a well-known local family, was killed on Saturday when an illegal alien um, crossed over. And, and you wouldn't even know it from any of the articles. They call him an Oak Ridge man. Franco Cambrani Francisco Eduardo, 44, of Oak Ridge. No, he's not an Oak Ridge man. He's a Mexican national who's here illegally. And by the way, the only way you would know that is because the article says there's an ICE detainer on him now. They don't even say he's illegal. His father was the father of the um, victim, Pierce Corcoran, was Captain DJ Corcoran. He, w- he worked for the Knoxville Fire Department. And his aunt was a county clerk. Another American dead because we refused to do what our forefathers thought prudent and was a no-brainer. And as you see through Ira Ira, through 1996, was really a universal point to protect Americans from public charge, from diseases, and certainly criminality. It was, A, the first responsibility of the federal government and even state governments. And, B, it was the most redressable and preventable problem. So we'll link to this article here in show notes just came out. That's what's going on here with the diseases. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, it's funny. I, I, I warned you this would happen, by the way. Government workers are now suing Trump in court <laughs> over the shutdown. I, I told you, we're, we're, we're you know, if, if a court could determine that foreign nationals have a right to be here, then, you know, an American has a right to a government job, I guess, and to get paid. So I already warned you that we're going to reach the time where courts are just going to unilaterally start passing budgets, putting an injunction on a lack of funding. <laughs> So, you know what's funny? I was just thinking, how come we can never get standing to sue our government for the tangible, tangible public charge, diseases, criminality, drugs pouring in because they refuse to follow what's unambiguous federal law?
It's unbelievable. So, so sad. So sad. Just can't believe it. But anyway, that's the latest going on with that. Now, there's there's a lot more going on I wanted to get to. A lot more. About just the danger. The danger of these illegals. And by the way, just to update on the cop killer, this Gustavo Perez Arriaga guy, it seems that he was using two fake stolen fake social security numbers in his and that was and he had a taxpayer funded public defender in his 2008 DUI case this is according to big league politics i have not independently verified it but they list the two numbers he was using and like i told you before social security administration irs working with especially local counties, clamping down on that, they could stop this in a second. Without identity, they can. They essentially cannot live here and they certainly can't work here. Yet the IRS invites them to come in and then doesn't go after them. Invites them to give an identity, they gives them a tax identification number instead of saying like, hey, you're here illegally, let's go after you. Let's turn you over to DHS. We don't treat illegal immigration as illegal. And what are the consequences? It's not just the fact that we have cartels that are as violent as ISIS at our border bringing in drugs, gangs, infectious diseases, migrants, even terrorists. And by the way, I don't have time to get to it today, but I'm going to link to Todd Benzman's latest article in show notes on the trail of Middle Easterners coming through Panama. He's got more information on that. But it's not just the border. Every town, every city in this country, every county in this country is a border city now. Because the problem we have of the gangs and the cartels is everywhere where you have illegal immigration. Everywhere it's being protected by the courts, by the sanctuary cities, by the lack of Congress doing anything about it. So it's, it's no longer a matter of like, oh, you know, why are we focusing on Syria when we have this problem at our border? It's more than that. It's close to home. Where I am in Baltimore, it, it's, it's a few miles away. We've had beheadings here. We have Mexico being recreated here now. The cartel and gang turf wars. I want to read to you of two articles, but hopefully at least one if we're going to have time for it. Written by Charlotte um, Cutperson. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Writing for the Epoch Times. I don't, you know, I don't, don't, where is this? Do they say what they are? I think it's run by, I think it's funded by the Chinese actually, um, which is bizarre. But she seems to be an ace reporter um, because I know good immigration reporting when I see it. And she's done a good job doing interviews with with kind of what I'm trying to do, speaking with Border Patrol, ICE agents, DEA, U.S. attorneys, and local sheriffs to really get that full picture. And that's kind of what I'm doing. And I, I see she's doing that. And, you know, 
rather than other people getting all territorial and trying to block out other people's work, I welcome, we need more people doing more of this work. So Charlotte did a good job. Here's her article. North Carolina sheriffs dealing with cartel violence call for Congress to fund wall. More than 1,400 miles north of the southwest border, sheriffs are battling drug trafficking, overdoses, ganging cartel violence, and human trafficking. If something gets through the border within a few days, two or three days, it's across this country, said Rockingham County Sheriff Sam Page. Sheriffs in North Carolina are calling on Congress to approve funding for the border wall and better border security. North Carolina has become a major hub for the transport and distribution of wholesale cocaine and other drugs throughout the Northeast Corridor, according to the DEA. Page said he does what he can to support the sheriffs situated in counties along the southwest border. If we can support them, it prevents a lot of those drugs from coming in and getting into our communities here in the interior of the United States. If we, be cal- if we fail to secure our borders, every sheriff in America will become a border sheriff. Almanac County Sheriff Terry Johnson said his county has huge problems with the Sinaloa cartel and its drug trafficking operations. Almanance is right on the intersection of two major interstates, I-40 and I-95, and nearby city Greensboro has become the drug trafficking hub for the southeastern United States, Johnson said. In March, 35 members and associates of the nine Trey gangsters, a set of the United Blood Nation gang, pled guilty in North Carolina to racketeering conspiracy and related charges of drug trafficking, wire fraud, and firearm possession, according to a 2018 DA report. I want to just stop here for a minute. So we reported on this a year ago that Texas Department of Public Safety, but now it's, it's really everyone agrees that in recent years, the gangs and different ones in various parts of the countries have now become the distributors for the cartels. So it's a two-part process. They, while, and again, this ties back to the first half of the show with the border, while they're tying down our border agents with the bogus asylum being treated as a daycare center and now a hospital, they get in both the drugs, but also the gangs and the bad people. And then again, some of the migrants themselves, they're not the greatest people, and they become the mules, especially the younger ones, replenish the ranks of these cartels and these gangs. And they're on the interior. So it's not just like, okay, you get the drugs in. They operate on the interior of our country. And that's what I'm saying. If you just had interior enforcement, which was the vision of Ira Ira, you would stop all this. But I want to mention, this is once again where, where jailbreak ties in. And I'm sure those of you who are on the money, on the ball, already sensed I was headed there. Notice how the worst human beings, they say these gang leaders are directing assaults, robberies, drug trafficking up and down the East Coast. But what were they convicted on? 35 gang members, racketeering, conspiracy, wire fraud, drug trafficking, and firearm possession. Just plain things. Every iteration of the First Step Act, including the final passage, every one of these things is low level. Now, I understand if someone feels, yeah, racketeering, if it's some dirty accountant or something. But you have to understand a good number of those convicted on the federal level are these dudes. They're the gang members, transnational gang members. That's who almost unanimously, almost every Republican joined with every single Democrat quietly without any robust debate right before the Christmas break to pass this piece of garbage. 
These people could drop dead for all I care. I hope they become victims of these cartel members. Let me continue. The gang's leaders were also directing from both inside the prisons and in communities the gang's assaults, robberies, drug trafficking up and down the eastern United States, the report said. This was from the 2018 DA report. Do you know why I'm stopping here? Do you know what it just said? They direct it from inside the prisons. Do you know that one of the provisions that wasn't even like argued about in the bill, we didn't have time. It dramatically expands the internet time and phone time required to be given to prisoners. This is already notorious that they're directing, especially especially the drug cartels and gangs, their criminal activity from within the prisons. That's the prison reform we need to clamp down on it. And they gave them more time without allocating a penny of more money for the prison wardens to have larger staff when they can't deal with the amount of time they already have to weed out security risks. So I didn't even mean to get into this. But again, everything, every article you read, a legitimate article about the drug trafficking, cartel, illegal immigration, sanctuary city problem is also an indictment of the general criminal justice reform at a federal level. Let's see what else we got here. Johnson said, this is one of the... um, Sheriffs in North Carolina, drug-related deaths are increasing in his area, and the cocaine is big time coming in here, along with the heroin laced with fentanyl. Again, nothing to do with um, prescription drugs. In December, he said the department arrested 22 local drug dealers, the opioids, and the heroin traffic. Cocaine traffic is really taking its toll on our people here in Almond's County. People are not paying, in my opinion, close enough attention to what the major cause is, and that is the drugs coming across the border. He said robberies are up as well as shootings between rival gangs that are vying for the local drug distribution jobs. The violent MS-13 gang also has a foothold in North Carolina. A known MS-13 gang member was arrested in Wayne County, North Carolina in December after a half pound of methamphetamine was discovered during a traffic stop. Again, these are literally the people that are being let go by sanctuaries. These are the people that they're not holding for ice. And these are the people that we're letting out early now with the jailbreak bill that actually was signed into law by Donald J. Trump. We're also having problems here with human trafficking, Johnson said. If we could stop the drugs at the border, then we and local law enforcement could extend our personnel to dealing with the quality of life issues that are causing us the major problems in our counties and cities. In November, illegal alien Hector Rodriguez Noyola was sentenced to a minimum of 14 years in prison for trafficking cocaine and possession with intent to sell and deliver cocaine in Forsyth County, North Carolina. By the way, he'll be let out early. That's a regular drug conviction. Am I right or am I right, folks? And I don't say this with pride other than, you know, I want to be accurate and be proven right. Speak the truth. This is how all these issues come together. I just had a conversation with my buddy Derek Maltz, the longtime head of DEA Special Operations Division, who's really speaking out about a lot of this now. And he was telling me when I sent him this article, he said, I was screaming about this for years. 
he said that what you know a lot of people were like oh no 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 the cartel stuff doesn't spill over in america and he's like i saw this forever the home invasions they would have the the limbs cut off the burning of bodies he's this is a growing pattern and what he was telling me is that notice what they're saying here they have ms13 you have all these other gangs that and 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 cartel members that are responsible for the robberies and all this stuff and you know a lot of people dismiss it oh well that's just cartel on cartel gang on gang violence if we're at the point where we're okay with that how do you think mexico became what it did it doesn't only affect them one of the things derek was telling me is that often what they would have is they you know they they would get get an address of a stash house of a rival gang and it was the wrong address and they would go and torture Mr. and Mrs. Bob Smith. You know, uh, just a r- regular American. Of course it spills over. This is, this is everything. It's happening. It's a growing trend all across the nation. The ICE director in Phoenix said in, in an article recently I saw, 95% of the illegals they see coming there, there go um, to the East Coast eventually. This is in all of our major cities, and even not-so-major cities, even mid-sized, smaller cities. It's all related to simple fixes. All of this could be prevented. All of it needs to be prevented. All of it is the responsibility of the federal government. It's why we have a federal government over and above every other issue. It was promised to us for years, including the very bills that Pelosi and Schumer voted for. But we don't have a sense of purpose and a vision from anyone in the party other than Trump. And then he's got his flaws and mixed messaging and gratuitous baggage that kind of takes away from the message. This is where we're left. But this is all we have. And he's got to give a public address on all this stuff. So we're going to link to this article in show notes as well. And, you know, just for the rest of the day, I'm trying to schedule a lot of calls with Drug enforcement agents, ICE agents, Border Patrol, uh, federal prosecutors, sheriffs, just to try to try to expose more of what's going on. Um, it would it would be nice if we had the boot of you know government. The last time I checked, Republicans did control the Senate. Why aren't they holding hearings on this stuff? Why is it only the Democrats are willing to hold hearings on? the welfare and well-being of the invaders, but Republicans are not willing to hold hearings on how the invasion is affecting Americans on all the core issues. But again, this is the, this is the imbalance. Democrats don't elect closet Republicans. They actually have a sense of purpose. They have a vision. And this is why you don't see them going off message. Let me tell you, Pelosi, you're going to see on display this dichotomy, this imbalance between the parties with the split decision now. Officially, Republicans have control of the Senate and Democrats have control of the House. But you're going to see Nancy Pelosi. You want to see what an agenda is, what messaging is, what the Republican House under McCarthy and Ryan didn't do. You're going to see them passing all their priorities. While McConnell's like, I'll have the vote. When really, as we mentioned, yeah, it's not as clear cut as control of the house. 
but you could still force votes on all this stuff. On the gangs and the cartels and sanctuary cities and identity theft and the DUIs, the Scott Gardner Act. The old bill from uh, Sue Myrick in North Carolina, speaking of North Carolina, to mandate that they turn over to ICE, that local authorities turn over to ICE, that ICE apprehends any illegal caught arrested for DUI. It's that simple. Drunk driving, identity theft, these are no-brainer issues. And they're the linchpin to cracking the code on, on illegal immigration. At least force them to take votes on it. Force them to force cloture votes. Force them to hold the floor in debate. But no. We're not going to do that. Therein lies the problem. But certainly Stephen Miller needs to write a speech that Trump should deliver in prime, prime time. Heck, I do a series of speeches. I do some at the border. I do some at the interior and places hard hit from the gang violence, the drugs. I do one at the Chicago DA office. But that's just me. That's the best we can do. And by the way, one, one of the things I want to start doing um, when, we, when I get this Facebook uh, page set up is for you guys to help me out. And, and, and by the way, some of you guys already do that by sending me things. You know, I can't see everything, but I love when you guys are able to build on, on the work we do here. And you can always email me at dhorowitz at blazemedia.com as well as tweet me at armconservative. But the fact that you have all these illegal alien DUIs and other crimes, other deaths at the hands of illegals, and you, you know, you, you just, it's hard to find them and they cover it up. But if you're familiar with your area, you're able to see it. And I think this is how we could share more information. This is the policy work that Republicans in Washington should be doing, these phony conservative think tanks should be doing, but they're not. With exception of Center for Immigration Studies, terrific organization. There aren't too many. This is what we have to recreate at a grassroots level. But there's a reason why messaging is so important. Why it's so important for the left and the rhinos to go ahead and stifle the dissemination of any of this information. Because if the public would actually know what's going on here, what causes all this stuff? Crime, drugs, gangs. I mean, this is everything, even terrorism. If they would know that we have essentially ISIS and all but name only at our border and in our counties, the entire political landscape would shift. You know, I'm just looking here at polling data. There's a poll here. What is this? That um, f- 8 in 10 call legal immigration a problem. 58 say a serious problem. According to a new poll, um, Economist YouGov poll. 
So, um, where is this? Do, 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 do. Um, well, this was more on the shutdown, this poll. But then there was another very fascinating article. Very fascinating article. I'm trying to bring, bring it up here. It was from Axios on how Latino voters didn't drift from Republicans. This blows up the entire premise of the Mitt Romneys and the Paul Ryans of the party and all their consultants for a decade. Here you have Trump regarded as, oh, he's the, the rhetoric and this and that. And they say, no, Republicans have not lost the Latino vote at all. Be, beyond what, you know, again, most of them are always are going to vote Democrat no matter what. But the ones that are going to vote for you, you're not going to lose because you're tough on immigration. And in fact, you're going to gain with every, everyone else. So that's, um, that's the story with that. But I wanted to give you one other piece of information here before we, um, you know, get going here. And I just got to send out a note. So why is it so important this stifle is, is stifle? Because if they understood the criminality, the public charge, and infectious diseases, that is a kill shot on their agenda. And then, and then the fourth branch of this is, like we said, all the work of Todd Benzman with the SIAs and the Middle Easterners coming up. There's a reason why you're not allowed to talk about what we talk about. I'm going to read to you an email I got permission to read from a friend of mine. His name is George Taylor. He, he's a retired Border Patrol agent. Zach Taylor goes by Zach. Um, he's the chairman of a small group of retired Border Agents, National Association of Former Border Patrol Officers. And he sent me the following um, uh, email. He gave me permission to to read on the show. The media has avoided this aspect of illegal immigration deliberately. He's talking about the – he's referring to the Washington Times article on tuberculosis rampant um, among the sick migrants. He said in October 2018 – a National Association of Foreign Border Patrol Officers member made mention of the potential the caravan of migrants could be infected with various <clears throat> path- pathogens on Fox. So he, he made that case on Fox. Carriers of pathogens who illegally enter the U.S. obviously are not medically screened, therefore could potentially expose American citizens to these diseases. The Open Borders advocates went to Twitter and blasted NAFPO, whatever, that's the acronym for his organization, interview as racist. Fox producers of two scheduled shows the following day immediately canceled NAFPO's appearances, claiming they were, quote, getting too much blowback. Fox has not called back since. Well, there you go. Fox, the gatekeepers of conservative thought. That's the problem. Even the people that are supposed to be doing our messaging don't do it and often deliberately don't want to do it. There's a reason when they had that RNC ad that they only ran for a short while and then backed out when they showed the picture of the guy who killed um, 
officers Davis and Oliver. That's where the Davis Oliver Interior Enforcement Bill is named after them. That that guy, you know, saying on camera at the trial how he wished he could have killed more of more cops. Somehow that was deemed as racist by these people and they backed down. There's a reason why they went nuts over that ad. Because it was so devastating. It was so truthful. And this is my goal. We need to get this out. My goal is to get this in front of the president. Get him on message. And he's got to fight for us. But we're going to keep on these issues as well as health care. All the new stuff going on with Congress. But again, nothing is really new under the sun. It's the same old problems we had in 2018 are going to persist this year because we don't have a movement. We have to recreate it. It's our job to see how we do that. God willing, we'll come up with more strategies. We'll work together. I really want to grow this movement. This is not just a show. This is not about Daniel Horowitz. This is about saving our sovereignty as a nation and everything that's included in that. Thank you for all your encouragement, your support. Again, email me, tweet at me. This is going to be a very busy month. So look for all our content. And again, look for different ways that we're going to take this show to the next level. God bless you all. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience. 